If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter, the first epistle of Peter, there in the New Testament, chapter number 1. And I'd like to read for your hearing the first nine verses. Why? Because to get to my text, you have to go through the context. Those verses that have actually emphasis on the text itself. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, Grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, it is reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations." that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now the text I would call your attention to is found in verse number 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. It actually presents the subject, the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith. That little word faith is found four times in chapter number 1. In verses 5, 7, 9, and 21. Faith and belief come from the same Greek word. If you have a concordance and you were looking up the meaning of the word faith, you would find the Greek word for belief given as well for faith as you do believe. Faith is a noun. Belief is a verb to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You could not say to have faith or just faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to exercise faith in Him. So faith. You cannot have faith if you do not believe. 
And you cannot believe if you do not have faith. No man can be saved without faith. There is a verse in Hebrews 11 verse 6 that says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If I were to give you a definition, a definition of faith, well, the Bible gives it to us in Hebrews 11. One, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Now the elders had an A-plus on their report card because they approached this business of the Lord and salvation by faith. But there is a more simple definition that I would give you this morning. You may use it for your own or you may choose another of your liking. But that definition is this. Faith is believing what God says and acting like it. Faith is believing what God says and acting like it. The easiest thing in the world for me to do and for you to do at given times is we say, oh, we believe the Bible, but we don't act like it. There's no faith involved in it. Faith is believing what God says, not what the television has to say, not what the politicians have to say, not what the Republicans and Democrats. It's what God says. Do you believe it? And do you act like you believe it? It is a living faith. Only believers have faith. I want to repeat that. Only believers have faith. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Not everybody has faith. Not everybody who is born into this world is born with faith. It is called the faith of God's elect. In Titus 1, 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. Faith is the gift of God to his people. Let me repeat, faith is the gift of God to his people. If there's any verse Baptists ought to be familiar with, it's Ephesians 2, 8, 4, By grace are you saved through faith. And that, not that grace, but that faith is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You could never be saved without faith, and it is God who gives His people the faith to believe on Him and trust Him, For salvation. God gives us faith before our conversion. 
before we ever come to trust Christ as Savior, or else we would never do that. In 2 Peter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Faith is something you obtain. It is not something that you generate within yourself. You do not sit down and say, well, I'm just determined from this point on I'm going to have faith. You'll never have faith till God gives you faith. And when God gives you faith, you start believing what God says and acting like it. It is called precious faith. Those who have obtained like precious faith is such a precious commodity, my dear friends. Faith. God's gift to his people. Mr. Spurgeon had this to say on the subject of faith. And you may listen for about a moment, okay? Wherever faith is found, it is the sure mark of eternal election. It is the sign of a blessed condition. It is the forecast of a heavenly destiny. Faith is the eye of the renewed soul. It is the hand of the regenerated mind, and it is the mouth of the newborn spirit. It is the evidence of spiritual life. Listen to that statement. Faith is the evidence of spiritual life. It is the mainspring of holiness. It is the foundation of delight. It is the prophecy of glory. It is the dawn of endless knowledge. Faith is the assurance of sonship. That you belong to him and he belongs to you comes through the channel of faith. Faith is the pledge of inheritance. The grasp of boundless possession. The perception of the invisible. He that has faith is blessed because he pleases God. He is justified before the throne of holiness. He has full access to the throne of grace. And he has the preparation for reigning with Christ forever. By faith. By faith. Like precious faith. I've chosen one aspect of faith this morning to preach on. And it is called, and our text calls it that, the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith. It's quite possible that some of you are present today, and if not here in our visible auditorium, in our internet ministry of people all over the world who have access to this service today, it is quite possible that some of you are going through that right now. The trial of your faith. For others, it is waiting for you just around the corner. Why? Because all believers will have their faith tried. All believers, no exception, will have their faith tried. Now, what is the purpose of God in testing our faith? Why would God do that? Why would God apply a test to the faith of his people. Why do certain things happen to certain people? Have you ever wondered? Have you ever asked that before? 
Why do certain things happen to certain people? Moreover, why do certain things happen to me? Why do certain things... Why am I having to go through this experience? Why? 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 There is a difference between testing and temptation. Temptation is designed to make you fail. Testing is designed to make you strong. God tries us, but He never tempts us. That's clarified for you in James 1, 13 through 16. God doesn't go around tempting you to fail. If he's trying your faith, he's trying it for the purpose of making you stronger in your faith. Satan is the tempter. It was Satan who came to the Lord after he had fasted 40 days in the wilderness and said, Command these stones be made bread. The tempter is not God, my dear friend. Satan is the tempter and he desires but one thing and that is to make you fail. God wants to make you strong and he does it through sending tests to our faith. Why does God test us? Let me give you some reasons. Why does God test us? To prove the sincerity of our faith. To prove the sincerity of our faith. You'll never find a better example in your Bible than in the book of Job of how God did this very thing with this man. In the book of Job, Satan accused Job before God for of having an insincere faith. There was a time when God and the devil were in conversation and the devil said uh, to God, Job is insincere. He's motivated by selfishness. If you were to be mean to him or if you were to take away some of your blessings... He would curse you to your face. Listen to that. The Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there's none like him on the earth. He's a perfect man, an upright man. He's one that fears God and escheweth or hateth evil. In verse 9, Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for nothing? Hast thou not made a hedge about him, about his house, about all that he hath on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But if you put forth your hand now, God, and you touch all that he hath, he'll curse you to your face. Job has an artificial faith. He has an insincere faith. And so the Lord permitted these tests to come Job's way. There was a case where he had so many uh, oxen, a thousand oxen, and they were all slain. He had 500 she-asses in his serv- and his servants, they were slain. He had 7,000 sheep along with his servants and they were slain. He had 3,000 camels and his servants again were slain. And while he was yet speaking, Another came and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in in thy eldest brother's house. 
Behold, a great wind from the wilderness smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I am escaped alone to tell thee, seven sons and seven daughters, all killed at the same time. Now, was Job's faith insincere? I think not. For when you complete reading that story in the first chapter of Job, Then Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. His possessions were attacked. But he was not married to his possessions. He was married to the Lord and faithful to the very end. It is an easy thing to sing in church, Oh, how I love Jesus. But it is difficult to sing that song on a hospital bed. When times are going great, we sound so good in our song service. When times are going bad, It's very difficult to exhibit our faith in the Lord that he's always right in all that he does. We must learn to trust God in the valley as well as we trust him on the mountain. This church has had some mountaintop experiences down through the years. Forty some years ago it was started and God has been so good to bless. And those were some mountaintop experiences But once in a while, something comes along that attacks the foundation or attacks the building or attacks the spirit of the people. But we must remain faithful to the Lord. Faith is believing what God says and acting like it. Why does God test us? To prove the sincerity of our faith. Not only that, but God tests us to increase the size of our faith. Faith grows in proportion as it is tested. Abraham was tested by God. And I know the King James says the word tempted. That's a Hebrew word. And in that Hebrew word is not exactly like the Greek word that's translated tempted in the New Testament. God was not tempting Abraham to kill his son. He was tempted to show the world that in his son is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ who would come forth from the dead and Isaac was spared. And Abraham believed God. Rest assured, Abraham's faith was much stronger after that experience. Abraham even picked the knife up and would have brought it down and killed his son had not God interrupted him. He believed God to the very end that God would be merciful and spare Isaac. Faith is believing God and acting like it. Now, there are some, my dear friends, who have little faith. Not all have the same quality of faith. Not all have the same amount of faith. Some have little faith. In Matthew eight twenty six, the Lord said to them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. You remember the disciples were aboard the ship, 
the storm came up. It looked like the ship was going to capsize. And the disciples said, Lord, don't you care whether we perish or not? That doesn't sound much like faith, does it? But the Lord was in the boat with them and conquered the waves and conquered the storm and conquered the sea. Some have little faith, but some have great faith. I do not have the time, but I will give you the reference. In the seventh chapter of Luke, you should read it. In that verse number nine, however, it says, Luke 7, 9, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. He was a Gentile who had brought his servant to the Lord, and the Lord healed his servant of that awful disease, and no one else thought it would be that way. They thought the servant would die. And the man who owned the servant said, I'm not worthy of the least of your blessings, Lord. You don't owe me anything, but God, I believe you could do this. And the Lord said, I've never seen such great faith as that. Great faith as opposed to little faith. A canary hears a song in an uncovered cage. Matter of fact, wouldn't it be good if we could listen as effectively as a canary does in a cage or a parrot in a cage. They never miss a word. Matter of fact, they can usually repeat what you've said. But a carry, a canary in a covered, uh, uncovered cage listens and hears a song, but does not memorize that song until the cover is put over the cage and the canary is alone. There's some things you're never going to learn and that I'm never going to learn about the Lord until we go through those times in which we are alone and can't see the outside. But that's when the canary begins to sing the song that it's heard after being under a cloud or a cage and caged up. It may be that God has a song that he wants us to know from our heart. Thus the loneliness and thus sometimes the darkness. Why does God test us? To remove the dross, D-R-O-S-S. To remove the dross from our faith. Malachi chapter 3 verse 3. He, speaking of the Lord, shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. There have been a few times in my life when I had some serious, serious things to be concerned about. Medically speaking, there was a time back in 2004 when I could not preach for three weeks in this church, nor could I accept any meetings in this church because I was diagnosed with a blood clot in my lung. And when they rushed me to the hospital, the doctor on the floor came to me and said, first thing you need to understand is you are in trouble. 
and you could die from this. And little did I realize how close I did come to death because of that. But you see, that was a time when God was testing my faith. Okay? And each of you have experiences like that. To say nothing of that brain tumor I had in 2009. And God was so good. Notice the refiner of gold sits. What do you mean? The refiner of gold, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. When God sends a test, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. We, he speaks little, if any at all, during this time. God may turn the heat up or he may turn the heat down. But he silently sits. God just sits and watches until the dross comes to the top. (laughs) And then the testing stops. Isn't that great? Why does God test us to remove dross from our faith? He tests us to send the trial because we need it. We need it. Did you notice as we were reading in 1 Peter chapter 1, especially verse number 6, For wherein greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptation, if need be. You know, there are sometimes, dear church, that we need to be tested. There are some times when we stand in need of God testing who we say we are and how much we say we love Him. I believe I can safely say this. I have needed every trial that's ever come my way. And so have you. If you had not needed it, God would never have sent it. But he sent it because there was a need for it in your life and a need for it in my life. It's not necessarily what we wanted, but it's what we needed. Now, very quickly, the different ways in which God tests us. How does God test our faith today? Number one, he says the trial of your faith, not somebody else's faith. It's so easy to find somebody else that's going through a more difficult time than you are and say, well, God's testing their faith. No, let's don't talk about their faith. Let's talk about your faith. Testing your faith. Your faith is different from my faith. Now, it is the same substance of faith, to be sure, but it is not always the same amount at the same time. And everybody's testing might be different from my testing or your particular testing. Not everybody's alike. But faith is a personal thing and our test will be personal. It'll be fitted just for you. And when God releases it from heaven to come your way, it's got your name on it, not anybody else's. And it will come to you and it will come to me. He tries us, number one, by the blessings he sends. Now, what does that mean? He tries us. God tries us by the blessings that he sends. 
we have a comfortable home. We don't have everything we would like, but we have a comfortable home. We have plenty of food to eat. Would to God that could be said by the hungry multitudes all over the world who would gladly eat the garbage you and I throw away after a meal. We have a happy marriage. We have a wonderful family. We have a food-paying job. But we soon become independently lazy and spiritually cold. We start traveling more and laying out of church. Where do all these things come from? They come from the Lord. He tries us by the blessings that he sends. We're like the big ship that's dry docked. It may be pretty to look at and it may be safe in the harbor, but it does no good. It was made to sail the seas and fight the storms. Our faith is so weak in cases like this. We raise the question, where, what is there that we have to trust the Lord for? I mean, well, we have everything. We, we're doing just fine. What is it that we have? You trust him for everything. Everything. He tries us not only by the blessings he sends. He tries us by the praise we receive. This is a tough one. Give me a moment. We have many friends and people to compliment us from time to time. And it is so easy to start feeling good about that. Because at the heart of it, are we not echo Christians? Better still, are we not encore Christians? Don't we like it when the people say, Sing another one. Oh, that was so wonderful. Sing another one. And if they clap, and they clap, and they clap, and we get bigger, and bigger, and fattier, and sassier as it goes. And sometimes God sends it that we might remember that, my dear friends, any good thing that we might possibly have, we did not generate it ourselves It came to us from God Almighty. Whether we sing, whether we teach a Sunday school class, whether we preach a sermon, whatever we do, if there's any worth to it, if there's any good, it's because God gave it to us. It is not ours to gloat over. It is His that He might be glorified in it. And there's nothing wrong with saying to somebody, you're a blessing to me. But I'm just saying that sometimes, maybe you don't have a problem. Just rarely do I have it. But once in a rare while, it kind of makes me feel good when you say, Brother Kozar, that was a good message. And I'm not asking for persecution. I don't want you to come out the church door and say, that's the sorriest thing I ever heard in my whole entire life. I'm just saying we need to react differently sometimes when compliments are paid us. It's not our doing. It's the God who saved us. And all glory goes to Him. He tries us for the praise sometimes that we get. He tries us with truth in Scripture. 
God will send a verse of Scripture along to see what you do with it. Have you ever read a verse in the Bible and all of a sudden you say, I didn't even know it's in the Bible. <laughs> well, it's been there quite a while. You just hadn't picked up on it. And you probably have read it over and over again, but it didn't jump off the page except this particular time. When it did, God sends that to see what you do with it. Do you believe it or do you argue with it? He tries us with truth in Scripture. He opens our eyes to see a truth that we've been missing. Do we praise Him for it? Or if the verse is controversial, will you refuse to hold it? You'd be surprised. And I have not kept a calculated register on this, and I'm glad that I haven't. I've had so many people to say to me, Brother Cozart, I don't believe what you believe. I said, well, you name me one thing I do that you don't believe. Well, it's business about election. I said, your problem is not me. Your problem's God. God says it and teaches it. And you may not understand all there is to know about it, but what I'm saying, using that as an illustration, to say if you read anything in your Bible that goes across your thinking and your idea, and well, I just don't know whether I can believe that or not, God sends that to check your faith. Faith is believing what God says and acting like it. Don't spend but a moment here, but he tries us sometimes with chastisement. Does God chasten us every day? Thank the Lord he doesn't. But does God sometimes chasten us? He certainly does. Not because he hates us, but because he loves us. And sometimes we do things that we ought not to do, and we don't really hate that like we should and the next opportunity we have, we do the same thing over and over again. Sometimes the Lord, as I've said before, has to take us out to the barn and teach us a lesson. And that's called chastisement. And God chastens every son whom he receives. It's a test of our faith. A test of our faith. When he's put the rod to you, do you moan and complain? Do you pitch and buck in rebellion or do you thank him for it? Because it's a sign of his love for you. And he often tries us with affliction. Often tries us with affliction. In the 12th chapter of the book of 2 Corinthians, verses 7 through 10. The 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, verses 7 The Apostle Paul said, and lest I should be exalted. Now listen to this. I I believe Paul was perhaps the greatest Christian in the Word of God. Great missionary. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure. Do you mean that Paul had a problem with pride? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that was given to me a thorn in the where was the thorn in his flesh in his flesh and he calls it the messenger of satan to buffet me to punch me in the face to punch me in the nose lest i should be exalted above measure for this thing i thought sought the lord 3 times 
that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Why does God do this? He often tries us with affliction. One passage that has meant so much to me, please write it down. Psalm 119, verse 67, verse 71, and verse 75. Psalm 119, verse 67, 71, and 75. David, the king of Israel, is speaking. This is what he had to say. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Do you hear what he said? It was good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and thou in faithfulness hath afflicted me. Sometimes God sends affliction to test our faith in him. Now, as long as we're not afflicted, and we're feeling pretty good, and we don't have indigestion or anything like that, everything's just going great, and all of a sudden we get sick. Certain members of our body, not of our church, but certain members of our body. Got a problem with my hand, Brother Cozart. Boy, I got a problem with my right leg. Oh, Pat, preacher, you know, I'm going a hard time with my back. Usually we don't go out and kick up the dust when things like that happen. We go see the doctor and we start praying for mercy. That's a good thing. If it takes affliction to humble us, God send the affliction. That's tough, isn't it? And I'm not being ugly. I'm trying to be plain with you, and it applies to me as it will to every member of our church. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But after the affliction... (laughs) I have kept thy word. Everything that comes our way comes from the hand of God. Whether good or bad, it will always be for our good and for his glory. One final scripture, and I will close, found in the book of Job once again. And I do spend quite a bit of time in Job. Chapter number 13, verses 13 through 15. Notice what he says. He's speaking to these three so-called friends because they were accusing him of being a hypocrite. And Job says to them, hold your peace. Let me alone. By the way, I won't tell anybody if you won't tell anybody. Do you ever get tired of some people that are always poking their nose in your business? And really what you want to say with a smile on your face, bug off. huh? And that's where he felt about these three men. Hold your peace. Shut up. Knock it off. Let me alone. Stay away from me that I may speak 
And you let come on me what will. Whatever God wants to send my way, I'm willing to accept. Wherefore do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hand? And here's the verse, and we close with it. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, and I will maintain mine own ways before him. And so we need to have our faith tested occasionally. And God has a reason for that, and he has a purpose in doing it. And may God help us to be faithful to him. That's why I wanted to read the words of a song that you had already sung this morning. Have faith in God. He's on the throne. Let's stand please for prayer.